You are listening to You Are Not Broken, the only podcast that combines science, medicine, and psychology to re-educate your brain and help you live your best love life. And I'm your host, board-certified female urologist, Dr. Kelly Casperson. So welcome to June's live podcast. Oh my gosh, I am so happy today because it is the book release. Let me show the book to the people who aren't listening on the podcast. You are not broken. Stop shooting all over your sex life. This is a, so I put sex in the subtitle because like you need to know what the book's about, right? Otherwise it's just like a pretty cover. So a friend posted this on Instagram today and Instagram blocked it and said it might show, um, what did they say? I think they said it might show violent content or something like that, sensitive sensitive or violent content. And I'm like, should I have not put sex on the cover of my book because then it wouldn't get blocked? But like, how the hell are you supposed to know what this is actually about? Like, it's all about sex. So what are you, what are you supposed to do? Ah, intimacy, like if intimacy is, first of all, intimacy is like way bigger than sex. You can be, you can have an intimate relationship with somebody that isn't a sexual relationship. But I feel like I use intimacy and air quotes on Instagram a lot because Instagram doesn't like the word sex. And here's the deal. Sex is a weapon. Sex is used against women. I never want to downplay the, Instagram just wants me crooked. Oh, well. I never want to downplay the dark, dark side of sex because it exists. But like, how are you supposed to know what these books are about? How are you supposed to get good sex education? All the things. So I'm going to plug in my microphone. So this podcast recording is not complete shit. And I have to hear from my friends how complete shit this microphone is. So here we go. There we go. So people who are on the... There we go. So people who are on the... um. Zoom, raise your hand if you want to come on for questions. Otherwise, type questions in the uh, question and answer box if you want. Otherwise, like who doesn't love this hair? This hair is made for television. This, sorry, podcast people. I got a new haircut and it is like freaking fantastic. Look at that part. Oh my gosh. Um, okay, so I have tons of questions that have come in on the gram that I'm going to go through if I don't have any live people who want to come on, no pressure. Let's talk real quick about what's happening July 1st. July 1st, we are starting a private podcast slash group membership. It's a mouthful. I don't know what to call it yet. It doesn't have a name. Um, But there's going to be, for people who don't know that, like I went to life coach school to figure out how to work on your mind. Oh my God, this hair. Um, It's so good. The, uh, group coaching on working on your sexuality and feeling not broken and learning how to be empowered and change your thoughts and change your life. All that stuff is going to be, we're going to do group coaching. Um, A lot of people have asked, like, do I do one-on-one coaching? I do not. And this is not meant for medical advice. Uh, It is not meant to replace psychiatric care. It's really to help functioning people become higher functioning to make you meet your goals and pursue your dreams. And that's what group coaching is. It examines our thoughts. We, (laughs) yeah, somebody said my hair is excited to see you. I know it's literally sticking straight up in the middle, Um, standing at attention. So 
we have underlying thoughts that are like the playbook of our brain, right? And we aren't always consciously aware of them, but you can pull them out and look at them and be like, oh, I think sex is bad. I think uh, orgasms are too difficult. I think my body is not perfect enough. Like all these thoughts that you can uncover and explore and realize they're actually what's limiting you. Um, and sometimes those thoughts came to us through society or our parents or our religion or an ex-boyfriend who was an asshat. I'm allowed to say asshat, but I can't say sex in my book cover. All right. So let me go to a bunch of questions and answers, and then we'll get some stuff done. As always, I love saying this. This is not a uh, individual medical advice. I am not your personal doctor. And this is for education and entertainment purposes only. Let's go to our live questions. Live questions and answers. Here we go. Can you talk about the Dutch test? I'm pretty sure it's a urine-based test. Dutch test is urine. Some people have saliva stuff. They call it Dutch test. My feeling on accuracy. Okay. My feeling on the Dutch test, I don't do the Dutch test. My feeling is it's proprietary. It's like a brand name. It is not indicated by any national menopause society, just the facts people. It usually gives you so much information that's not necessary. We love information. We love getting to know stuff. We think that if you test 15 different urine metabolites of hormones, somehow you're getting more information than if you're getting three things tested. Um, I just had somebody ask me today, like, do I need to get my estrogen tested to go up on my estrogen dose? I'm like, no, you're still having hot flashes. Go up on your estrogen dose. I mean, you can always get it to like, see where you are, but there's no like, you should be at 600. You should be at 200. Like there's no established goal. We are literally unique people, one out of 7 billion. So do I think you should go spend money on the Dutch test? No. Are there people who want to make money by you getting the Dutch test? Yes. Um, so buyer beware. If somebody's like, I only do the Dutch test. It's they're usually making money off of that. Um, and you can usually learn what you need to learn for a lot less money, a lot less urine saliva, especially the people who are like, I have to get my Dutch test every six months or every blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, you don't like knock it off. Get to some hormones that are good and stable for you, especially if you're post-menopause, right? If you get on a nice stable time and um, don't spend your money on the Dutch test. So that's number one. Um, that question was actually pros and cons. I think I just gave you cons. <laughs> All right. Uh, so are bioidentical hormones going to be banned? No, bioidentical hormones are not going to be banned. Compounding hormones are not going to be banned. Here's the deal with bioidentical, my opinion, if you haven't heard it yet. Bioidentical is means just very incredibly similar to what your body makes, right? It's usually a marketing term. Uh, come to me instead of them because I've got the bioidentical trust me over them on dealing with your hormones because I use the bioidentical. It tends to be like a marketing term because people don't know, they don't have education. They don't know who to trust. They don't know what it means. Um, now that said, let's take a little caveat of it. What we've shown with progesterone is the micronized progesterone, progestin um, that we use currently, we being the doctors who are trained in menopause is a bioidentical. It's when we think the 
older, air quotes, older progesterone that was used in the Women's Health Initiative, if there was any danger of increased risk of breast cancer, it was from that progesterone, progestin. I'm not an OB guy. So I always have to be like, progestin, progesterone, progestin, because there is a difference. Progestin just means, um, progesterone is one type of progestin, basically, for people who want to know. What else? There you go. So bioidentical hormones are not going to be banned. That's the short, the short answer. But buyer beware, it's you're being marketed to. Okay. Next, do you know if there's any interactions between estradiol, vaginal cream, and clobetazole? I went to see a dermatologist. She prescribed it for me. Uh, she said it helped with itching and inflammation. I'm not sure. Estradiol or clobetazole. I'm not sure. Uh, Dr. Thank you, Dr. Lauren likes my hair. Isn't it wild? The poor podcast people, they're like, I can't see your hair. You're having hair FOMO. Sorry. Yesterday, I was like, my hair needs its own Instagram account. It is like incredible. My inspiration for this hair, just in case you guys needed it, my inspiration came from this awesome medical student from the UW who just came and spent a day with me. And she was amazing. She had this like pompadour hairstyle right? Which I haven't tried. I would probably look like a professional soccer player. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Like Abby Wambach, please call me and buy my book and have me on your podcast. I'm manifesting. But I mean, seriously. Um, so that was one. It was the female pompadour, which just is so good looking. And then number two, um, Selma Blair. If you guys have not been following Selma Blair, uh, the actress, she had a horrible run-in with multiple sclerosis, ended up undergoing, I believe, a... Uh, what's it called? Stem cell transplant has an amazing sobriety story um, and has kick-ass hair now. So I was like, I want kind of like Selma Blair versus female pompadour. And my stylist was like, that's not a thing. You can't have both. (laughs) So this is what we get. And it's like today's day two. So I am just like in, I'm having romance with my hair right now, basically. Like it's changing my face. Somebody yesterday, I said, I look 25 and I'm like, that's cool. That's that's not a problem. I know a shit ton for a 25-year-old, you guys. Ooh, let me tell you about that. I digress. Going on to other questions. Oh, uh, yeah. That came from the question about estradiol and clobetazole. You can use them together a lot. Certainly, if you have lichen sclerosis, perimenopause, postmenopause, your skin's going to be all the better by getting on estradiol cream, um, getting like the healthy hormones back in the vulva and treating with clobetazole, which is a high potency steroid. Um, so your question is the estradiol burns. It probably burns because your skin is just in such ouchy suffering condition. I don't want to say poor condition, no judgment on skin, but the healthier you can get your skin, the less that'll burn. And this is really important for every single woman out there who's been given a prescription for estradiol cream. It will be sensitive and irritating for a while because your skin is in such GSM postmenopause distress. Like I tell people, it's like having a sunburn and putting like the soothing balm on it will like, it'll burn, but it's actually helping the skin. And after a couple of weeks, as that skin gets healthier, it'll burn less and less and less. Um, I literally just looked for my phone to take a picture of my headphones and my hair and realized I'm on Instagram live. And I don't think I can do that at the same time. So maybe you can, I don't know. I'm not 25. I just look it on Instagram. So wondering if I should use the clobetazole for a while and then start with the estradiol up to you. Can't give individual medical advice. Ask your doctor. I don't think that's a crazy idea. Um, 
but yeah, burning is normal as your skin heals and gets more um, resilient, it'll burn less. So that's useful information for burny vaginal estrogen for everybody. Okay. Somebody said prolapse symptoms going away during first trimester of pregnancy. Fantastic. I don't know why first trimester of pregnancy tend to have more progesterone, tend to have a little more laxity. Um, so I'm not sure exactly why that is, but like, God bless. That's great. Here we go. I have an underlying feeling of shame, which surfaces from childhood. The thought of anything but missionary position is shameful. This, you guys, this is exactly what the group membership is going to be for. This is to help these people out. Like, I need to do a podcast on shame. Brene Brown, queen of shame. Like, shame is such a fascinating feeling. And when you get good at this coaching, you get good at like feeling your feelings and realizing how much we as humans try to push those bad feelings away and only want good feelings, right? And like most of our behavior in this world is trying to only have good feelings instead of like shame is like a legit feeling that like can be acknowledged and felt and like I'm feeling shame right now and feel it and be like and be the observer, right? Like I am I am not the person who is shamed. I am the person who's seeing me feel shame. You're that person. Like to be objective, to have that awareness, like and don't think I was born being able to talk like this, you guys. Like this took a lot of practice and education and self-work to be able to talk like this. But now that I can talk like this, I I need to put it out there because I can't be like, oh, look at all the poor people who are just in shame of like feeling shame is a superpower. You can learn a lot from it and you don't need to ever use shame as something that holds you back in your life. But it's very, very common when it comes to sex. Why? We want to control women, we being the society. Um, if we tell you everything except for missionary position is shameful, we've just controlled you and made you do the one position that's like incredibly pleasing to usually the penis owning partner um, and takes away from your pleasure, right? So there's so much to read and understand about this. Okay. I'm 50. Uh, she's in her 50s. Um, she's only had one spontaneous orgasm. Um, able to have vibrator orgasm in one position as long as I escape my thoughts and allow the feeling within my body to emerge. Boom. Perfect. Like you got it. You just figured it out. You'd like literally just created the awareness of like when I let my mind stop running the show and let my body run the show, that feeling of pleasure and orgasm is available to you. Like this is what group coaching is. You guys is being like seeing the shame, acknowledging it, the harder you try to push that feeling away and push it down, the stronger it's like taking a, a beach ball and like trying to put that beach ball like underwater. And then it just like more and more and more wants to go up and up. So pay, that's what shame is. Like, it shouldn't be there. I shouldn't have it. I should figure it out to get rid of it. Like, no, no, no shame's there. And what you're learning is when I focus on my body, when I focus on mindfulness, that's when orgasm cannot exist when shame exists and you're letting shame be the, the, my majority tenant in your brain and body. I'm grabbing, I need to keep my books closer to me. Um, Lori Brado over there on my bookshelf, Lori Brado wrote the book, better sex through mindfulness. She was actually just on Glennon Doyle's podcast. If you want to hear her, I haven't listened to it yet, but I saw that she was on it. So you can go on Glennon Doyle's podcast to listen to that. She basically is a sex researcher in British Columbia and worked on mindfulness. 
and the role of cultivating mindfulness in the ability to experience pleasure, increase your desire, and increase sexual satisfaction. So I talk about that a little bit in the book, You Are Not Broken, Stop Shooting All Over Your Sex Life. What you're doing is you're shooting on your sex life. <laughs> uh, you should only have it in one position because that's the only acceptable position. You should only have an orgasm with a partner. All the shoulds, right? Re like seeing them is the whole practice, you guys. Like there's no there there. There's no there there. The shame might always come up. It might be like such a well-worn road in your head. So I hope this helps. If it resonates, this is literally what the group coaching private podcast membership is going to be like. I'm only going to plug it like seven more times on this podcast because July 1st is coming up. Okay. Next, thank you to the very brave souls who write these questions in because when I answer them to help you, it helps everybody else, which is very, very awesome and brave. Okay. Number next. I'm in my early 60s using vaginal hormone cream. It does help with lubrication and desire, but I cannot reach orgasm no matter how long and hard we try. Help, please. Okay. Great question. Love this question. Um, vaginal estrogen cream does not give you orgasms on the general. So vaginal estrogen cream restores blood flow, collagen, tissue resiliency, uh, can help with sensation. All of those things can lead to ease of orgasm, but you can't be like, I'd like the vaginal estrogen cream to have an orgasm. It's not how it works. So this is really good, like sex education for people. Um, and here's the other thing, you guys. Desire, there's two types. I mean, there's, okay, let's break it down. Read the freaking book. But there's two types of desire. What psychological desire, which is what most people talk about when they talk about desire, and then like arousal in the pelvis, right? But desire by itself, that is a brain thing. Like, because without the brain, like your pelvis really can't seek out sex, right? That's a brain thing. Arousal, which a lot of people confuse desire and arousal, arousal can be pelvic. It can feel tingly. You can want touch. You can want more of something. That's the pelvis kind of being like, let's go towards what feels good. That's the tingliness of, of the pelvis. Um, but when, by and large, when a lot of people talk about desire, they talk about brain. So point being, can you put a vaginal estrogen cream in your, in your vulva and vagina and increase your desire? Not technically, but you can create thoughts about I'm caring for my pelvis. My pelvis feels better. My lubrication's better. Uh, so therefore I want more desire. That's how it works. But putting a cream does not give you desire. Your thoughts about the cream give you desire. This is like intro 101. And I forget that this is like so foreign to some people, but like the brain, there's a brain, there's a thought in there. Desires are thoughts. Okay. I cannot reach orgasm. Good to know usually longer and harder. And, and the other thing, when they say, um, when they say like, no matter how long and hard we try, it kind of is like the orgasms, the goal. And sometimes when it's goal oriented, you have more trouble. Um, because you're like, God damn it. This orgasm isn't happening. <laughs> you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's orgasm doesn't like being under pressure. Like these are very like non-pressure goal-oriented activities. And, and, the, and they call it orgasmic coercion is actually a thing. There's some people who've done research on it. Orgasmic coercion is when a partner kind of pressures you to have an orgasm, like for them. And I'm not saying that's what's going on here. I'm just educating. So get rid of the goal-oriented. Orgasm hates that. 
really pleasure, 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 go towards what feels good. Lube, 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 focus on the clitoris. I would say my advice, don't try to have an orgasm with a penis in the vagina, like make it all about you, especially when you're in the learning, how does this work phase, right? Sometimes it's too distracting to have like another partner there with something in your vagina. Um, Having something in your vagina might feel good and certainly can help as far as like arousal and orgasm. But sometimes when, when people are learning, like it's too much, it's too, too crazy, too too much craziness going on. Um, Somebody says, I've been listening to your podcast. I just started the combi patch for people who don't know. Combi patch is a skin patch that delivers both and progestin and an estradiol. And that's for systemic hormone replacement. Um, Do I also need to use the estradiol cream? Great question. Lots of people have this question. Um, for me, it would depend upon your exam because I do exams. Uh, and I can tell you like, yep, this looks dry. You have a little bit of atrophy. We're losing our labia minora. We're losing our clitoris, you know, clitoral volume and plumpness. So I can tell you to, to, that's one way to know if you need to be on the vaginal estrogen cream. Some people don't. Sometimes the combi patch and hormone replacement uh, is enough. Menopause hormone therapy is the new we don't call it hormone replacement therapy anymore, people. We call it menopause hormone therapy, which is like, I can do hard things. I can retrain my brain, but like, don't send me strongly worded emails. If you're in the like, God damn it, it's called menopause hormone therapy, not replacement therapy because it's not a disease and blah. like, I know I get it. I'm trying my best. I'm trying very hard to call it what people want to call it now. Um, I was just like, am I too feisty? Am I too feisty for you guys right now? Can you handle me? It's the hair. Literally, it's the hair. <laughs> um, so that's my goal. That's the plan of the orgasm by the book. More tips in there. But um, estrogen cream in and of itself does not give orgasm or desire. But you're on the right track. You're helping the skin. Because if you have pain or dryness or anything like that, you're definitely not going to have desire or arousal. Um, going back to the combi patch, about 50 of 50, it depends upon the last study you want to read. I haven't read it in a while. Like 30 to 80% of people want or are going to need to be on vaginal estrogen still because menopause hormone therapy is still very, very low dose, you guys. Like it's still so low of a dose, you don't have your period, right? Like this is way lower than a 30 year old's hormones. Um, so you might need some more. The hormones, I always say the pelvis is like the last stop on the train. So, like your brain, your bones, your heart like your muscle mass, they all take the hormones first. And then your clitoris is like, Hey, sorry, I'm way down here. Um, so sometimes you do need more and it's totally fine and it's totally normal. And you totally rock for taking care of yourself and being on all the things. Um, did I tell you this? Somebody was like, I don't want to do, I don't want to do a uh, vaginal estrogen because it's not fun. I think I did an Instagram live on this and I'm like, fun. Like find the person who's like taking care of my skin is fun. Like that, that does exist. But like, I looked at her, I'm like, flossing is not fun. And I floss like it's self-care. Yeah. Take care of yourself. Like what is this entitlement? I'll call it entitlement entitlement. That self-care needs to be fun. We can do adult things that aren't always fun all the time. Like you've been marketed to, you've been watching too many Coca-Cola commercials. If you think just like life should be fun all the time. And that's the only goal. Um, 
Yeah. So somebody asked, so gyne questions, just so you guys know, I'm not a gynecologist. I am not good at PCOS. I am not good at endometriosis. I am not good at all that stuff. Um, so questions uh, like gyne questions. I have had some, I have a PCOS podcast um, a couple, a couple of, uh, a couple of years ago. It's been a while. Um, but I do have a decent amount of gynecologists on my podcast to help with that because I, I, I ate one. I actually had this rep come into my office and it was like for prostate cancer or something. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't do much prostate cancer. And she's like, oh, do you do like gynecology? <laughs> and my, my nurses who know me are were like record scratch. Like, oh, you didn't like no offense to the gynecologist. God bless. That was one of my top three things I was trying to figure out if I wanted to do, but I am not one. And like, don't gender, don't gender me, number one. And then number two, like, just because I work in the female pelvis and help women with like down there things does not just make me a gynecologist. Other people do that. They're called urologists. So I was like, no, I'm not a gynecologist. And she's like, yeah, but you like do stuff like down there. So isn't that like gynecology? And I'm like, well, gynecologists do that too, but I'm a urologist. I went to urology residency, but people confuse us all the time because they don't know. And it's okay. It's not your fault. Um, but yeah, if you're a rep in my, if you're literally in a urology clinic, talking to a urologist, don't ask them if they're a gynecologist. Cause they're not like do your research. Uh, but so sorry, long wind of, I don't know. I don't know more about PCOS. I also don't know much about endometriosis. I know a lot. I don't know everything. Okay, here we go. Next. Can you talk about UTIs, antibiotics, and thrush? Why do so many women get UTIs? Why do they get worse with menopause? And how can we prevent and manage them? Oh, this is such a good question, you guys. So bladder, vagina, rectum, three holes. Women have short urethras. It's easier for bacteria to climb into the urethra than, say, a man or sorry, a uh, penis owner who has a long urethra, you know, that we call like, this is urology humor, somebody who has like on the, let's say they have a, a generous penis size. We say they have long, a long urethra. <laughs> so anyways, pelvic humor. Um, why do so many women get UTIs? Okay. Common things for UTIs is constipation, stress. I see stress because it affects your immune system. Um, not peeing enough. Nobody knows how much they're supposed to pee. You're supposed to pee eh, six to eight times a day if you're well hydrated. Um, and you're supposed, be, you're supposed to be well hydrated, right? So I don't pee enough. I don't drink enough water. I'm constipated. All can increase your UTI risk. But certainly in the starting in the perimenopause, and I'll see this with birth control too, or other low estrogen states, estrogen in the vagina creates an acidic environment. Uh, meaning estrogen in the vagina facilitates lactobacillus, which creates lactic acid, which creates an acidity in the vagina. And that actually acts as a, a, a barrier, like a moat between rectal flora and the bladder. So when you lose your estrogen, you lose your normal microbiome. People love microbiome. Like that's one way I can get people to get on vaginal estrogen. Like it helps your microbiome, your natural microbiome. And then they kind of forget that they're worried that, that estrogen causes cancer, which it doesn't. Um, so, so much info here. Why do they get worse with menopause? Because of low estrogen. Question, how do you fix that? Putting vaginal estrogen in the vagina. It's dirt cheap now, you guys. It's generic, generic estradiol cream, generic vagifem. I like the cream because you can target it on the vulva and the urethra. Um, so that's how you prevent and manage them. You 
hydrate, you pee, you treat constipation, you treat your stress, you get on your vaginal estrogen. I tell people this, I can never make you never have another UTI again. The only person, the only people who never have a risk of having a UTI are dead. Like we're living, we're living microbiomes. Like there's always a risk, but we certainly can decrease it. One study showed that vaginal estrogen decreases re, uh, urinary tract infections by 68%, which is better than any cranberry or D-mannose, which are some supplements that you can take. Soft data on the, uh, on the cranberry, I recommend the cranberry that's made with the skins. Theracran and Allura are two great brand name ones. Um, because again, remember with any supplement, it's not FDA regulated. So about 60, 40 to 60% of all supplements do not have in them what they say is on the packaging. Buyer beware. Why are you spending, why are we spending billions of dollars on this stuff? Because we want to feel better. And we like the idea that our solution is in a pill. Okay. I think that was that question. Um, let's see. Next one. I had a terrible reaction to adding estrogen cream. I'm 56 and two years postmenopausal. I tried Premarin cream once a week, developed sore breasts, water retention, acne, ankle swelled, potassium went high. To me, that you're, you were just on too high of a dose. Also, the breast tenderness with vaginal estrogen is very temporary. It does subside. Again, when you think of the earlier in the podcast when I said when that skin gets healthy enough, it gets less sensitive. It's going to absorb a lot less. If you have side effects, just go way down on the dose so you can tolerate it. On the estrogen, I was back to my PMS symptoms, but way stronger than I ever had. All my sex hormones are barely existent. I wonder if adding progesterone would help the small percentage of women like me that have had a systemic reaction to topical estrogen. I'm assuming you said Premarin cream. So I'm assuming you meant vaginal. Um, you don't need progesterone with that. It doesn't like counteract estrogen. That's not how it works. Sister with breast cancer and cancer in the family. That's irrelevant, short and sweet, irrelevant to using vaginal estrogen. It does not increase your risk of breast cancer. Women just like to like add that in there because I don't know why, because they think estrogen causes breast cancer, but it doesn't, um, especially vaginal estrogen. So I'd say if you were talking about vaginal estrogen, which I can't tell, you're just saying Premarin cream, um, try a lower dose. Don't give up on estrogen. Like you guys, so many of us think so rigidly and I want to, again, life coaching expand the view of like, could I be thinking about this too rigidly to the point that it's actually, you know, not helping me. Right. So like so women will like swear off of estrogen after like trying it for a couple of weeks and being like, no, 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 it just, you just didn't have the right dose or the right formulation or, you know, went in too fast after not having estrogen in your body for a couple of years. Like it's cool. It's totally cool to fiddle with it. You can start out low. You can always go up higher, but pay attention to your thoughts, right? Pay attention to like swearing off something. Cause you tried it once and it didn't work. Same with sex. Like I tried that once and it didn't work. Well, unless it was a hell no, or you hurt yourself, like you could try it a little bit different time or like different time of the day, different partner, different toy, like whatever flexibility and curiosity will get your life changed in such a way, way more than, you know, this rigid fixed thinking. And that's the role of the coach to like point that out to you. Like, there you go. Okay. Suffering, I've been suffering from post postcoital urethral syndrome, according to my physician. Is there any definite treatment for it? Ah, okay. Well, here's a side rant. Women come in and they're like, my doctor told me I have interstitial cystitis. Do I? First of all, interstitial cystitis is you can't like take an x-ray or a blood draw to know if you have it. And I said, and it's especially like 
no, I know they don't. They're just having like two UTIs in a row or something. And their physician told them this. So I'm like, well, would you like a chronic incurable disease added to like your list of what's wrong with you? Or would you like to just say that your urethra is sensitive right now? And they're like, I would rather just say my bladder and urethra is just sensitive right now and figure it out. Because what you do when you take that diagnosis, you internalize it. Now there's something wrong with you. Now you have something. It's been given to you. They like cemented it in you. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not call this interstitial cystitis. Let's not call this urethral, postcoital urethral syndrome. Why don't we just say your urethra is a little sensitive after sex, right? So work on the sex. Do we have enough lube? Is there a position you can use that isn't as stimulating to the urethra? Do you need estrogen cream? Are you either on birth control or you're breastfeeding or you're peri or postmenopausal? All those women could benefit from urethral that's why I like the cream it targets the vulva and the urethra better. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't, I, to me, I wouldn't be like, Oh, Susie, you know what you have? You have postcoital urethral syndrome. Now I gave you something and I've helped you zero, except for now I've given you shame because there's something wrong with your body. Like, come on people. All right. Let's see. What can we do? I received a hormone pellet, estrogen and testosterone and started oral progesterone oral once daily. About four weeks after I started bleeding for the first time in a year and a half, I am postmenopausal. I have been bleeding for about 10 days. Is this common? Should I be worried? Will it stop? Okay. There are papers on, for us, for the physicians and nurse practitioners listening, there are papers on postmenopause uh, vaginal bleeding on hormone replacement therapy. I can't think of the reference off the top of my head as I look, look down at my papers on the ground. Um, but it exists. Somebody thankfully has written it. I made my PAs read it. Um, it can happen if it persists. You need a workup, you need a vaginal ultrasound. What I don't like about this question is the pellets. Pellets are super therapeutic. They're going to put you on very high doses. Some like air quotes, wellness people will put people on such high doses. They actually get their period. Like and then they're like, look, I'm turning back the clock. I'm making you younger. And I'm, and I'm like, eh, the, the, the legit menopause people, that's not advocated. So I, the, my concern is the um, pellets and what, what kind of dose you're on. And also just getting a workup. So that's what I would say about that. Um, is it normal? No. Is it common? Yes. Will it stop? Maybe. Do I think you should get off pellets? Yes, because I think everybody should get off pellets. I, like, I truly believe that people should be just at their primary care doctor, their primary care nurse practitioner, and they should be able to ma manage your menopause. Now, is that how the world works right now in 2022? No, we don't have enough education. I literally just had a friend, you guys, see a nurse practitioner ask about menopause hormones and was told that estrogen causes cancer and she should be on safer medications for any postmenopausal symptoms. And I'm like, what, what's safer medications? Are you telling me that like antidepressants and anti-anxiety meds are safer? Because I wouldn't say they are. Osteoporosis drugs aren't safer. Like estrogen's legit safe. Lipitor is, can, all drugs have side effects, you guys. But there isn't like a safer, less cancer causing thing because estrogen doesn't even cause cancer. But point being, this is happening right now. And my friend's like asking for help because she's like, I can't just say like my friend Kelly told me. <laughs> But like if doctors and nurse practitioners and PAs took on learning how to care for a uh, large percentage of their population, 51% of people have vulvas and vaginas. They're, we tend to call them women, not always. But um, that's, that's a lot of people. That's 51% of the world. 
why do we not know how to take care of 51% of people? It's insane. It's like, yeah, yeah. Well, I just never learned how to take care of like the cold. And I just never learned how to take care of like, I don't know what else is, what else is as common as 51% of the population? Like I'm literally blanking on thinking of it and we don't know how to take care of this. So there you go. Um, what else? So oh, somebody just said, I have a hard time reaching orgasm as well. Started vaginal estrogen a month ago and I'm noticing more sensation. So I'm hopeful. Yeah. Estrogen does increase sensation and having increased sensation can increase your desire, right? Cause now it feels good. So I love it. And that's why we, you know, people will be like estrogen for desire is like, no, 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 don't skip the step. Don't skip the step where estrogen increases sensation. And now your brain's getting sensations that feel good. So there is your desire, right? Let's not, let's, I like to break it all down. Yes. This stuff is complicated. You're welcome. Somebody just told me the top of my hair has to lay down a little bit. That's your opinion, man. Ha. Okay. So you guys, that's, is that enough feisty for today? Um, I hope so. Let's see. I'm just scrolling through to see if anybody else has any other things. I'm going to go out to lunch for my, with my friends for my book launch. Um, book is out today. I technically was out on Amazon for like two weeks, but now it's out. Uh, da, da, da. I'm on bioidentical hormones. Here we go. See freaking bioidentical. People love saying that shit. Um, like you literally don't need to tell me that your sister had cancer and you literally don't need to tell me that they're bioidentical. Like it, it, of course they, of course they should be bioidentical. I've had weight gain and bloating. Would increasing estrogen cream help with the weight gain? Hard to say. Talk to your, talk to your prescriber of your bioidentical troches. Um, you don't need to use expensive compounded medications. You guys, it's cheap. It's dirt cheap. Good RX FDA approved stuff. It's good. Hair matches your feisty mood. I know. Totally. Um, man, book tour. I don't know. I'm saving that for like, I still have a day job, which I love. Love my day job. But like me going on a book tour, so maybe someday. Someday. I'll see. I haven't even I haven't even reached out to the bookstores in my town. Like that's I'm not a, I'm I'm all social media. <laughs> uh that said, I love paperback, hardcover books. I don't do eBooks. Anytime I'm in my car, I'm listening to podcasts. So I love myself a paperback book. Uh, it's so good. And this one, if, if anybody of you guys noticed, you notice the matte cover of this book. It's not shiny. It's matte. I picked that out. I think it looks very modern and chic. All right, guys. I love you so much. Thank you, podcast listeners. Go to kellycaspersonmd.com. 50% off of the um, private podcast membership starting July 1st. If you sign up before July 1st and anybody who signs up now through the end of July will get a signed copy of the book. So see you there. If you're in peri or post-menopause and think your hair and skin look unhealthy, you're not imagining it. Menopause naturally affects your hair and skin. Hormone changes can affect appearance years before and long after menopause. Sylvessa is the first comprehensive system designed to restore and protect hair and skin affected by estrogen decline. The Sylvessa system is designed to restore the collagen and nutrients impacted by declining estrogen, improving the appearance of your hair and skin today and protecting against future damage tomorrow. Formulated with hyaluronic acid to visibly improve skin texture and reduce fine lines and wrinkles. Give Sylvessa by Bonafide a try today. No hormones and no prescription required. 
To get 20% off your first purchase when you subscribe to any product, go to hellobonafide.com slash notbroken and use promo code notbroken. That's hello, B-O-N-A-F-I-D-E dot com slash notbroken and code notbroken for 20% off at checkout. For best prices and free shipping, go directly to the hellobonafide.com slash notbroken website. This is their best offer anywhere, so check it out and use promo code notbroken. 